pastor. Hallelujah. I really miss our pastor. Praise God. If you've got First John chapter 4, say amen. Hallelujah. We're going to start reading with verse number 1. It may sound a little familiar. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know we, know ye, the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And this is where I want to focus today. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Verse number four says, Ye are of God, little children. And you have overcome the world. Because, not because we're anything, but because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. Can we lay down our Bibles and let's let's pray to God. I need his anointing. I hope that I can bring something that can be of benefit to us today. Lord, we love you. this morning. Hallelujah. Lift your voice and give Him praise this morning. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Glory to your name, mighty God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, last time I, I was preach on a Sunday morning. pastor sent me a message and asked that I could preach it, and so I did. And we titled that message, How Great Is Our God? Hallelujah. And uh, I got to praying and thinking about today's service, and we got, and while I was praying and thinking about it, I felt like originally pastor had meant for that to be a two-part series, and he had started a little bit of it, and then he asked me if I wanted to finish it, and so... I picked it up, and we're going to go on to part two of this, How Great Is Our God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Our God, we, we serve a great God. We serve an awesome God. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for God, who knows where any of us would be today. Hallelujah. I don't know where I would be. God saved me at ten years old. But no, no telling where I would be today if God wouldn't have saved my soul at that age. 
I could be, I could have been shooting up drugs within a year or two. I could be six feet under right now instead of being here preaching this morning. God only knows where I would be today. And God only knows where you would be. That's how great a God we serve today. Hallelujah. He, he saw what we were going to be. And he said, all right, do you want, do you want to be changed? Do you want to live for me? And he gave us the opportunity. He gave us the privilege, the honor to live for him. He didn't have to choose a one of us. Hallelujah. He is a great and mighty God. Hallelujah. Last, the last, I want to say last week, it wasn't last week, it was a few weeks ago. It was even last year. Makes it even sound like longer. <clears throat> but he is greater. Our God is greater than anyone, and our God is greater than anything. Amen. You see it, he's greater than anyone in this world now, and he's greater than any anyone in the world to come. Hallelujah. The subject is so exhaustive. I could if I stood here today and tried to tell you how great our God is, we'd be standing here from now until eternity, and I don't think any of us want to do that. But it's also so exhaustive and so extensive on, on the greatness of God that you can't even write enough books to contain His greatness. And maybe you think I'm trying to blow that out of proportion, but no, it's scriptural. The Apostle John wrote in John chapter 21 and verse 25, Um, and there are also many other things which Jesus did, the which, if they could be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could, could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. John said, we couldn't even write down everything that Jesus did when he was even here on the earth, not to mention what he's done as the everlasting Father throughout eternity. There's no way we could write everything down. He's such a great God. Hallelujah. Last time we talked about how great He was, well, we compared Him to the men throughout the Bible. We compared Him to men like Abraham. We compared Him to men like Jacob and Moses, Solomon. We compared Him to Jonah. And we even compared Him to Satan himself. And all these men are wonderful men. These men really walked with God. You look at Abraham. Abraham was considered the friend of God. Who here can say that, besides that song that Philip Craig and Dean sings, I'm a friend of God. How many can say that God has called us his friend? I don't think I've reached that, that level. Abraham was a great man. Abraham was a great man. But yet Jesus was still greater. Jesus wasn't only a friend of God. Jesus was God. Jesus was God in the flesh. There was no comparison to him and Abraham. We look at Jacob, a man that that walked with God, a man that dreamed dreams from heaven. And we got to looking at it. The dream that Jacob dreamed, he dreamed of a ladder. And I don't have, I've got nine pages of notes this morning, and we know how long it took me last time. So I don't know if we'll cover everything I've got here, but we, you look at Jacob. He, he dreamed of a ladder reaching up into heaven. But you get over into the New Testament, and you start reading about Jesus, 
And it talks about how Jesus is the way to heaven. Jesus is that ladder that Jacob dreamed of. Jacob, Jesus doesn't dream, just dream of, of, of symbols of salvation. Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is a great man. Hallelujah. Jesus, he is a great God. It's just, there's no, no way around it. You look at Moses, a meek man, a man that walked with God, a man that spent many days alone with God. But then you look at Jesus, and there's no comparison. Jesus was meek, yes. But not only was he meek, he was God. He was God in flesh. I know this church believes that, so I I can harp on that a little bit. You look at Solomon, a wise man. But even in the New Testament, it says that Jesus was even wiser than Solomon. You look at Jonah. A man that, when he spoke, everybody listened and everybody obeyed. When you look at Jesus, everybody, every time he spoke, people listened. Every time, every time he would do anything, he had a huge multitude. There was never just a crowd. I, I don't remember reading it at any place in the New Testament where it started talking about when Jesus spoke. I didn't ever read where it just said there was a crowd. It always said there was a multitude. It always said there was a multitude. And then you look at Satan. The Bible calls him a roaring lion. He walks around seeking who he can get his ugly paws on and tries scaring us into things. He's, he's great in his own way, I guess you could say. But we know, we know what he is and we know what he is about. But the Bible also refers to Jesus Christ being a lion as well. But Jesus Christ wasn't just a lion. He was a lion of the tribe of Judah. He was a lion of the tribe of praise. When we begin to praise Him, God goes to fighting for us. That lion of the tribe of Judah, when we go to worshiping Him, He goes to fighting for us. We don't have to worry about all them problems we always, we always dealt with. Hallelujah. Praise God. But we talked about that last time. This time we're going to talk about some things in the Bible that were were great. First of all, we're going to start with the law. How many can attest to the fact that the law is a great thing? The law of Moses. If we didn't have the law of Moses which was actually in effect before it was even written down. If we didn't have the law, this place would be chaotic. The law itself, it it gave instructions. It gave instructions for righteousness. In Romans chapter 10 and verse 5, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them, the law describes, it, it instructs, and it shows us righteousness in the law. Also in the law, it shows us sin. We wouldn't know sin if it wasn't for the law. We wouldn't know what was sin, and we wouldn't know what was, what was good. That makes sense. In, in Romans chapter 3 and verse 20, it, it, it tells us this. Therefore, by the deeds of the law... 
there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 7 says, What shall we say then? Is the, is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. So Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 3, both of them tell us we wouldn't know what sin was except for the law taught us. The law also was a schoolmaster. A schoolmaster in the, in the essence of it was one that led children to school. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 24, it, it shows us this. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So, we wouldn't know how to get to Jesus if it wasn't for the law either. So, what would we do without the law? We wouldn't know what sin was. We wouldn't know what righteousness was. And we wouldn't know how to get to Jesus if it wasn't for the law. But there's still one greater than the law. We all know who's greater than the law. Jesus is greater than the law. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned, flesh in the fle- condemned sin in the flesh. You see, we have the law, and it teaches us all these wonderful things. We wouldn't know sin. We wouldn't know how to get to Jesus. We wouldn't know anything. But there were some things that the law could not do. The law couldn't save our souls. The law couldn't pardon us from hell. There was only one person that could could pardon us from anything. And that was Jesus Christ. Also, Jesus gives power for righteousness. Jesus doesn't just instruct us to righteousness. He gives us power for righteousness. Read in Galatians chapter 3, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 8, verse 4. There we go. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And Romans 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and and peace peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So Jesus gives us power for righteousness. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ we wouldn't be able to attain righteousness. There's no way. It was it was the kingdom of God. It was the Holy Ghost that gave us righteousness. And if you want to know peace and joy, you need the Holy Ghost as well. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus was the instructor. He wasn't just the one that led people to, to school. He was the one that was teaching them. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24 Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, we got the law, which is great. It's wonderful. And then we have Jesus that makes the law and just takes the law and it, it brings, us, brings us to Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. We've got, we've got the law. We've also got sacrifices throughout the Old Testament. The Jews were atoned by sacrifices. There there was no way to get close to God but to sacrifice. Hallelujah. So sacrifices were great. Um, Sacrifices were great in the fact that sins were rolled ahead yearly. 
Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 3 uh, says, But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. In the sacrifices there is a remembrance of sin made of a remembrance made of sin every year. Also, if, if it wasn't for sacrifices, Israel would pre, pretty much be doomed. In fact, throughout the Old Testament, if you look, the Jews, the Israelites, were very prejudiced for the fact that they were the only ones that had pardon from sin. And it, it's, it's true. But for some reason, although they, they were the only ones that had pardon from sin, they always seemed to go back to the world's, the world's ways. So sacrifices kind of brought them back together. But yet, no matter how great sacrifices were to the Israelites, Jesus was still greater. To the Israelites, not only to the Israelites, but He was greater to us. Because if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we'd be doomed. We'd all be lost. But Jesus Christ opened the door, not just for the Israelites, but He opened the door for everybody. Hallelujah. Jesus was greater than sacrifices. It says this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 11 through 14. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered once. By the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ were we, were we, were we made whole. And were we, were we given the opportunity to be saved. Hallelujah. Read on. He entered once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who, though, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge our conscience from, conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Hallelujah. If you noticed here in verse... Number 12 here, it says, And having entered into the holy place once, he didn't have to go every year. Jesus Christ only had to go into there one time. And when that one time he went in there, the veil was rent. Hallelujah. Opening the door to each and every one of us. Hallelujah. Jesus took sins away. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. And every priest stand daily ministering, and offering oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God. It only took one sacrifice. It didn't take one every year. It didn't take one every month. It didn't take a whole bunch of sacrifices. It just took one sacrifice of himself, and it opened the door. We have an opportunity to receive the Holy Ghost only because Jesus Christ bled and he died for our sins. Hallelujah. Praise God. That, that right there, in and of itself, to me, is the only thing that I need to even worship Him. If He doesn't do another thing for me, I've said this many times, He doesn't do another thing for me from this day forward. Just to know the fact that I have a reward when I get over on the other side. That I, that I have the opportunity of walking on streets of gold. And that To know that I have the opportunity to see Him face to face one day is enough to give Him praise and to give Him worship. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Sacrifices were great, but Jesus was greater. Hallelujah. The Ark of the Covenant. 
The Ark of the Covenant was a wonderful, was a wonderful piece of furniture there in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. First of all, the, the Ark of the Covenant, it was how we've already talked about sacrifice, but the Ark of the Covenant was how the sins were atoned. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9, 6, and 7 tells us this. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But unto the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. So it was on the mercy seat that the Israelite sons were atoned for every year. Hallelujah. Praise God. Not only was it the atonement for their sins, but it represented the glory of God. Hallelujah. And that we, we see this. This is just one out of a lot of scriptures I could have pulled out to show that it did represent the glory of God. And 1 Samuel chapter 4 and verse 22 says, And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. You see, this right here is when uh, Samuel, when the curse came down on the high priest, and his sons died, and the Philistines had taken the Ark of the Covenant and took it out of Israel. And they were all in mourning. Not for the fact that these men had died, but for the fact that the glory had departed from Israel. You see, it was it was the sign that God was with them. The Ark was the sign that God was in their midst. And if it was taken from them, they they didn't think that they had any hope because they put all their hope and their trust in the symbol of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. It, it, it also, in this ark, it contained some very important artifacts. Um, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 3 and, and 4 tells us about this. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold. Therein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the, ta- and the table of the covenant. You see, we have three things inside the Ark. And these three things are, are pretty important. They are very important to the Israelites. One, the manna was, was put there to remind the Israelites of God's miraculous powers. Also, we got the, the rod of Aaron that had budded, the reason that it had budded it was because we had the uprising of Korah saying, well, we can hear from God too. And Moses said, all right, God, we need you to intervene here. Well, God said, okay, I want you to go get a rod from every tribe of, the, of Israel, and I want you to write Aaron's name on Levi's rod. And uh, he put him in the midst of the tabernacle, and the next day they came back, and it was Aaron's rod that had budded, showing that God had chosen the seed of Aaron to serve as the priesthood and to serve as in, in the in the place where he would commune with Israel. It was only through the priesthood that Israel had communication with God. Hallelujah. And there was only one group of people that God had chosen, and that was the seed of Aaron. Hallelujah. Praise God. And, and the third thing it contained, it contained the law. Hallelujah. The law, we've already went over. It is very important. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise God. All these things 
were a reminder to the Israelites of what God wanted them to be and where God had brought them from. Hallelujah. The mercy seat represented the atonement for Israel. And we've already talked about how the uh, ark was the atonement. But the mercy seat was the actual place where the atonement took place. It was where the sacrifice was taken care of. Praise God. Hallelujah. But no matter how great the mercy seat was, and no matter how great the artifacts were inside this ark, no matter what they represented, Jesus was still greater than all the Ark of the Covenant put together. Hallelujah. You see, Jesus is the atonement for our sins. In Romans chapter 5 and 11, But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not no, without... Romans chapter 5 verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Hallelujah. So it's through Jesus Christ our Lord who we receive atonement from. Jesus wasn't the representation of the glory of God. Jesus was the glory of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. That, we see this in John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. You see, God came down and He dwelt in flesh. And He became the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Hallelujah. It was the glory of the Father that they, that they seen in the Ark of the Covenant that dwelt in Jesus Christ. There, there was... Jesus is just... When you get to studying it, I spent hours on this. It was just so amazing how it unfolded. How, how much the Bible talks about how great God is. And... and and the way that you can go into the Old Testament and you see all the types and the shadows and everything, but they all point towards Jesus Christ. It's just, it's just so amazing how God worked through history just to point to the salvation process. It was just so beautiful. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The artifacts in the ark. Jesus wasn't just a representation and He wasn't just a reminder to Israel. But he actually fulfilled every one of them artifacts in that ark. You see, many miracles. We talked about the miraculous power of God, shown by the manna. Many miracles were wrought by the hands of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. John chapter 21 and verse 25, we read that at the beginning. It says we can't even comprehend everything that he had done when he was here on earth. Not only did he perform miracles... He is the greatest miracle of all. Amen? He was born of a virgin. First of all, that's a miracle in and of itself. A virgin conceived Jesus Christ. He was also crucified. But not only was He crucified, the greatest thing is He raised Himself on the third day. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 7 and 14 proves that He was he was conceived by a virgin. Read Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 23 just confirms what Isaiah had said. Behold, a virgin, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And in Acts chapter 2, 
Peter was talking to all the Jews that were gathered around when everybody when the, on the first day of Pentecost. And he got to looking and he said, all right. He said, I want to tell you about this miracle that just came to pass and a lot of you just missed. He said, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken by wicked hands and have crucified and slain. You've crucified and slain him. And I didn't put enough scripture in there. It goes on to talk about how on the he, he did come to, and he raised himself because God did not leave his flesh to rot. Hallelujah. In Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, it talks about God died for it. Christ died for us. But God commended his love towards us. In that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. And for, and, and Romans chapter 14 and verse 9. For to this end, Christ died, both died and rose and, and received that he might be Lord both of the living and dead. Hallelujah. Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be the Lord of both the living and the Lord of the dead. Hallelujah. He is not only the chosen of God that was represented by the rod of Aaron. He was God. Hallelujah. John chapter 10 and verse 30. I and my Father are one. Hallelujah. John chapter 14 and verse 9. He saith unto him, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen the Father... He that has seen me has seen the Father. And thou sayest then, show us the Father. Praise God. Jesus wasn't just the chosen of God. Although, when he was baptized, and when he came out of the water, there was a dove that lit down on him. And God said, this is my son, my only son. He said, I chose this man. I've indwelt this man. Hallelujah. But also, he said, I and my Father are one. He said, there is no distinction between the two of us. We are the same person. And and even Philip being with him, he still questioned. He said, "Jesus, show us the Father, and it'll it'll suffice us." And Jesus was like, "Philip, what what do you mean? Why why do you want me to show you the Father? Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father." He said, "You've been a long time with me, and I still don't. Why don't you understand this?" He said, "I thought I've made it very clear to y'all that I am the Father." Hallelujah. Praise God. And he also fulfilled the law. The law that was in the ark. He fulfilled that law. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 24 verses 44 through 49 tells us this. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all the things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of that Moses. That all the things must be fulfilled in the law of Moses. Read on. And in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that, repent that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Hallelujah. He opened their understanding to the fulfillment of the law. 
Hallelujah. He opened their understanding to the fact that he, he was come to die. He came to rise again. Just for the simple fact that repentance could be preached in his name. And that souls could be saved. And that he could have a one-on-one communication with man once more. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is our mercy seat. Jesus is our atonement for our sins. Hallelujah. I got to looking, and me and Pastor were talking about this before he left. The mercy seat in the Greek is, is hilasterion, or also is translated hilasmos. The meaning of these two words is the same. It's interlocking. I, I did a lot of search through Strong's. I went online and did some searches through Bible dictionaries to see if there was any fluctuation between the two, but there is none. And it comes, the meaning for the two of these words is propitiation. Anybody recognize that word? Propitiation and atonement is what these words came out to mean. You see, Paul used these words, this word, when he was talking to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth. Whom God a, has set forth to be a propitiation, a propitiation through faith, in, through his faith blood, in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the juster Hallelujah. and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Praise God. In verse 25 it says, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, whom God has set forth to be our mercy seat, whom God has set forth to be our atonement for our sins. It was Jesus Christ that became our atonement. Hallelujah. The apostle John also made reference to it. In verse John chapter 2. Verse number 1 and 2. My little children, these things I write unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the, with the Father, Jesus Christ. Our advocate the with the Father, Jesus Christ. Our Father is Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation and he for is our sins. the mercy seat. And not, of, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hallelujah. He is our mercy seat for our sins. Not He wasn't just going in because of Him. Because He was perfect. He was holy. He didn't have to die. He became our mercy seat. He became our atonement. He became our propitiation. Hallelujah. If it wasn't for Him, we would not have forgiveness for our sins. Hallelujah. Praise God. First John chapter 4 and verse 10 also makes reference to it. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for he our sins. He sent His Son. To be our mercy seat. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's no, no greater beauty in the fact that Jesus is our mercy seat. Hallelujah. There's no more sacrifices for sins. Hallelujah. Because Jesus became the one and the only atonement that can count for our sins. Hallelujah. He looked back, even though it may have been 2,000 plus years ago. He looked up and he seen each and every one of us. And he said, you know what? I know what they're going to do. And I want to die for them. I want to take what they, they have done and what they have sinned against me. And I'm going to take it upon myself. And I'm going to die for their sins. So we don't have to go find a lamb somewhere. And we don't have to go find a priest and say, all right, I need you to crucify him because I messed up. And we don't have to go find a 
a father somewhere, and we don't have to go say, well, I messed up today, and I don't, I just need to talk to somebody about it to get this off my chest. No, it comes through repentance and remission of sins. Because that's the only way to get to Jesus Christ. That's the only way to get forgiveness of sins. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Well, not only was the ark great, the priesthood. The priesthood was a great thing God had put into into motion. Hallelujah. The priesthood was the only communication that people had with God. Praise God. The priest... Although they were great, and because they, the priesthood was so great in God's eyes, there wasn't any man that could pick a priest. Priests were not man-picked, and God proved that with the budding of Aaron's rod. But priests were hand-picked by God, and only God. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Hallelujah. And verse 4 of that same chapter. And no man taketh this honor unto himself. No man can say, I'm going to be a priest today. You can't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be a priest today. But he that I, guess, is I, I guess I, just a minute, Josh. I guess I need to be nice. There's a lot of preachers nowadays, though, that wake up one morning and say, you know what, I'm tired of working for a living. I'm going to try to be a preacher. They think preachers live nice. I knew too many that don't live high and mighty. I can guarantee that. But the priesthood, you have to be chosen by God. There's, there's, it's, it's a very, very important job, a very important role. And pastor talked about the priesthood. Being a preacher nowadays is kind of in the same, it's, it's the same old thing. Although we still have an open line of communication, we still can't be saved without a preacher. Hallelujah. But it's got to be a God-sent God preacher. It can't be somebody that gets up one day or they had something bad happen to them in the hospital. And they say, you know what, I think I'm just going to be a preacher when I get out of the hospital. No, it's a God thing. It's it's not something that that we need to take lightly. It's I I fought it for a long time, and when I went talk to pastor, he looked at me. He said, "Son, I've been waiting for a long time for you to come talk to me." See, pastor doesn't just walk up to us and say, "You know what, son? I think you're 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 called to preach." pastor knows the relevance of the priesthood. We're a royal priesthood today. Hallelujah. And pastor is not going to be known for walking around and saying, all right, I think God's calling you to preach. It's not a, a man-chosen office. Hallelujah. Praise God. The, the reason that it's so important is because the high priest, or any of the priests for that, for that fact, is a representation of the people of God. Hallelujah. It's the, the man of God that has to answer to God for the people. We see this in the, in the Bible when they made the garments for the priest. The high priest, he had the most responsibility. 
thus the high priest. But when they made his garment, they did they they had some specific things to do. They had to put two stones on his ephod. And those two stones contained the names of every tribe of Israel. Therefore, when he put that ephod on, he was bearing the name of every tribe of every person in Israel. Hallelujah. In Exodus chapter 28, verse 9 through 12, it, it talks about this whole this whole ephod. And thou shalt take two, two onyx stones and grave on them the names of the children of Israel, six of their names on one stone and the other six names on the rest of the other stone, according to their birth, with the work of an engraver in stone, like the engraving of a signet, Shall thou engrave the two stones with the names of the children of Israel? Thou shalt make them to be set in ouches of gold, and shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord. And Aaron upon his two shoulders shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for, for a memorial, saying, God, I'm taking all these people. And I'm taking responsibility for them. And I'm representing them. I'm coming to you. And I'm going to offer an atonement for their sins. You see. The priest. Didn't have an easy job. And. They had a very heavy responsibility. And even. It was. It was very heavy, in in fact, to the point where a priest, if he had the slightest bit of sin in his life, and he walked into the holiest of holies, God would strike him dead. Because you you can't have anything in your life when you're bringing people to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Also, the priest's job was to make atonement for the for the people. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 3 talks about it. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore, it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. Hallelujah. The high priest is ordained to offer gifts and to offer sacrifices. Hallelujah. We got the high priest. We got the priesthood. It's a great thing. Will we agree this morning? The priesthood was God ordained but there's something greater than the priesthood and that was Jesus Christ himself hallelujah Jesus was not only handpicked by God he was conceived by God hallelujah Luke chapter 1 and verse 35 and the angel answered and said unto her the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Talking to Mary. You're not just going to... You're not just going to have a baby appear. It was conceived by the Heavenly Father. It was conceived by the, the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Even though Jesus was conceived... By God, the man Jesus Christ. We're all on the same page this morning, aren't we? We're we're still oneness here. There is a distinction between the flesh and the spirit of God, but there is no distinction between 
Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father. It is the same person. Hallelujah. Praise God. But even though Jesus, the man, was was conceived by the Spirit, he didn't glorify himself into the priestly position. There wasn't a time that he said, you know, I'm going to walk inside the, the, the tabernacle today and I'm going to take over for the high priest. He had every right to. He had every right to, but he wouldn't do it. Christ was an humble man. There was no guile found in him. Hallelujah. But even though he wouldn't, he wouldn't take that upon himself just to say, all right, I'm going to be the high priest because I can. He had the power. He had the ability. But yet the Bible, nowhere in the Bible did he call himself a priest or a high priest. But the Bible calls him a high priest. Several different men called him the high priest. Hebrews chapter 5 is just one that I picked out of a few that I found. So Christ also... So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. Christ didn't glorify himself to be made a high priest. But, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. As he saith un- also in another place, Thou art a priest. You're a priest. After the order of Melchizedek. In the writer of Hebrews, just a minute. The writer of Hebrews says, Christ didn't glorify himself to be to be in the priesthood. But... He said, but in another place in the Bible, he said, in another place it was written. He was a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jump on down to verse number 9 and read read through the end there. And being made perfect, he became the author, the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek. He was called of God. He was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus Christ was our high priest today, church. He still is our high priest. We don't need the high priest to go make an atonement for us. He was a high priest and he went into the Holy of Holies one time. And when he did, he opened it to every man, woman, boy, girl. It doesn't matter who you are. You can still come to Jesus Christ because he has opened the door. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus Christ, he not only represented us. He became one of us. He dwelt among us. Read John chapter 1. I know this is a little bit lengthy, but I love this passage of Scripture. I have to say this is probably one of my favorite out of the whole Bible. John chapter 1, read from 1 through 14. To... In the beginning was the Word, and in the, the Word beginning. was with God, and the Word was God. Hallelujah. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Everything was made him. by Him. There wasn't anything made that was made. Right. There wasn't anything in this earth. That was made, except God helped us. There wasn't nothing in this earth before man even existed that God didn't speak into existence. Hallelujah. God had a plan. That's what the word, the, the word, word meant. The word, word, word. Yeah. There we go. The word, word meant was logos. The plan. It was, it was the plan of God. From the beginning. Read on. In Him. In Him was life, and life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. He, he came down to earth. They didn't understand what was going on. They didn't know who he was. They just thought he was some another good prophet, is what a lot of people call him today. Hallelujah. Read on. There was a man sent from God 
whose name was John, and the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Even, even though even though Jesus Christ, the, the light was not comprehended, it wasn't because God didn't take measures to make sure everybody knew what was coming. God sent a man, his name was John, John the Baptist, to, pat, to, to plow a way through for Jesus Christ, to make the path straight that he could walk down and that he could minister. But people still didn't comprehend what was going on. Read on. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John wasn't the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. Read. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh unto the, into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. It's just amazing to me. When I, when I, every time I read this scripture, we read throughout the Gospels, and we understand nobody understood who he was, what his mission was here on earth they still in fact there's several jews today that are still looking for the messiah he came a long time ago hallelujah there's it just it just boggles my mind he was in the world but he chose to come in such a way that when he came he could have came in all of his splendor and all of his glory and and come in lightning and thunder and earthquakes and all kind of stuff but he didn't choose to come that way he came in a stable was born in a stable with animals the most unclean place in, the, in, in all the earth pretty much and he grew up in Nazareth if you read about Nazareth throughout the Bible Nazareth wasn't a place of reputation it wasn't like Kansas City when you hear Nazareth, you think of a bunch of dumb hicks. That's what that's what people always thought. He said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? That's what Nathaniel said. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Those people, and even when on the day of Pentecost, they said, these men are of Nazareth. How speak they in our own language, in, in, the, in our own tongues? Because the people from Nazareth were unlearned. They didn't go to school. A lot of, a lot of them didn't. And if they did... It wasn't very much. They never learned, like in all the other Jewish schools, obviously they taught several different languages. In the Nazareth, all it was, it was a work, is about work. Kind of, kind of like it was back when we were in the Brush Harbor days. That's all they knew. If it was time for harvest, you wasn't going to see any boys at school. They're going to go work. That's how it was. Now today is it's a lot different. You have to go to school to get any kind of job. Hallelujah. But Nazareth, Jesus came from Nazareth. That's where he lived most of his life. He could have came and he could he could have been born in a palace. The wise men thought he was going to be born in a palace. And I'm sorry if I'm going off on a tangent here. I, I just, it, I, I love this message so much. It's just, the greatness of our God is so beautiful. Hallelujah. But the world was made by him. Can you comprehend that? The world was made by him. But what when he stepped foot on this earth, nobody knew who he was. God had to send a message to the, the shepherds by the angels. There was a whole bunch of people looking for the Savior. There still are. 
But there was then too. There was a whole bunch of people looking for the Savior. They had the Scriptures. The wise men took the time to figure out what the Scriptures actually said. And they found Him. But there was only three people out of a whole world. He could have came in a palace. He could have come in Caesar Augustus' palace. He was. He could have came in, in the most high fashion. Because the world was made by Him. All He did was speak the world into existence. But the world knew him not. Read on. He came, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He came to Israel. But as many as received him. But they didn't him, want to. Go ahead. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word was... And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we did, and we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hallelujah! It, it's just an awesome story about Jesus Christ. It's it, it just boggles my no human mind I don't think could really comprehend why He did what He did, because His ways are mysterious and past finding out. Hallelujah! Praise God! He came to His own; His own didn't receive Him. He was too lowly. He wasn't high and mighty like they wanted. They thought they were going to get some kind of deliver to deliver them out of the hands of all their enemies. Like they like they had throughout the scriptures. But no, Jesus came and his 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 goal was not physical freedom. His goal was spiritual. He was looking to free some souls from sin. He was looking to open a line of communication between heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Just like he had back in the days of Adam and Eve, where he could walk in the cool of the day and talk with them and, and, and commune with them. Hallelujah. Praise God. i got to move on. Praise God. Jesus was not only the one who offered the sacrifice for our propitiation. He was the lamb that was sacrificed for our propitiation. Luke chapter 9 and verse 22, he Same. says of himself, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. Hallelujah. I've got to be, I've got to be slain. I've got to suffer. I've got to, I've got to die. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 5 and 6 through 9 calls him the Lamb that was slain. Hallelujah. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a Lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, and which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And, and let's jump on down to verse 9. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book. And they sung a new song. You're the one that's worthy to take the book. Read on. And to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain. For thou was slain. Read. And has re- and has redeemed and us you have to God redeemed us to by God thy blood, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Hallelujah. It was by the blood of Jesus Christ that we have an opportunity to to even be written down in the in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, the priesthood was great, but Jesus was greater. Hallelujah. The 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 Ark of the Covenant was great. Jesus was greater. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what you're comparing to. 
he's still going to come out on top. Because everything points to Jesus Christ and Him crucified for the repentance and remission of sins. Because if it wasn't for Him, I know I said that a whole lot today, but we've got to understand, if it wasn't for Him, if it wasn't for Him, church, we would not be saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. We serve a great and awesome God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know... I got to looking at it, and I got to searching, and we covered the Old Testament. But I jumped into the New Testament for a little bit. The church is a great thing that God had instituted. The church is a place of refuge. The church is a place where we can come to feel His glory, a place that He has chosen to meet with us. Hallelujah. The, the church... As a body, we are the representation of His body. Hallelujah. Praise God. But the church, in Matthew chapter 16, the church was founded on a rock. And that rock came with a promise. Read read Matthew 16 and 18. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon this rock... What rock? Peter? No, not Peter. What rock was it, church? Upon the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It was built upon a strong foundation. A strong foundation that is unmovable. A strong foundation that will never disintegrate. Hallelujah. Doesn't matter how many years it's got to uphold. It will never fall apart. Hallelujah. But it's also got a promise, and it says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. I love that promise. I love that promise. For a long time, I didn't have, I didn't understand that verse correctly. I always thought, and maybe I'm not the only one, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands either, but every time I read that verse, I was like, see, Satan, I got one over on you. I'm in the church. Amen? I got one over on Satan. I'm in the church. He can't come against I mean, he can't prevail against me. You know what? I found out real quick. He can prevail against me. Believe it? The Bible says he shall not prevail against the church. It didn't say the gates of hell shall not prevail against Brandon Hilton. It said, it shall not prevail against the church. Hallelujah. It cannot prevail against us, church. As a body, as a collective whole body, there's no way the gates of hell can come into this place and tear us apart. There's no way in this world he can do that. He's going to try to attack each of us individually. But if we are stuck together, if we are unified, if we are a body like we're supposed to be, if we are the body... There's no devil in hell that can tear this church apart. Unity's the key. Hallelujah. That, that That's not even a notes. I'm not supposed to go that way. <clears throat> but you see, we can't even... The church, the church was founded on a rock. The rock is unmovable. The, the rock is sound. But there's another point. 
We can't be saved without the church. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 through 27 talks about it. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully... If we sin willfully... Read. After that... We have received the knowledge of the truth. After we've received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. There's no more sacrifice for sin. Read. But a a certain fearful looking for the judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. You see what the Bible's saying here, church? It just follows right up with what I just said. Unity. The Bible says we need to provoke one another and we need to provoke one another to good works and to love. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Because if we, if we don't come to church, we don't know how great our God can be. God's at His best when we're a body. Hallelujah. Praise God. But no matter how great the church is, Jesus still rules over the church. Because of the simple fact that The church was built on a rock, right? But what's that rock the church is built on? It's Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Read Matthew chapter 16, 13 through 19 again. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, and others or one of the prophets. And he answered unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I, shall also, and I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Hallelujah. Praise God. When, when Jesus came to Caesarea, he looked at his, his, his twelve disciples. He said, I want to know something. The pastor's already taught on this, but I love this passage of Scripture as well. I don't, maybe there's nothing that I don't like about the Bible. I know that for a fact. But when it comes to oneness Scriptures, I love these Scriptures. Jesus looks around and he said, all right, boys, I want to know something. Who's everybody say I am? I want to know what everybody's talking about. I want to hear what they're saying about me. Well, they say, well, some of them say you're a prophet. Some of them say maybe you're Isaiah, maybe Jeremiah. He said, okay. I know I know what they're saying now. He said, now I want to know something else. He said, can you boys tell me who you think I am or who you know I am? And I could just imagine Peter. He's one of them boisterous kind of guys. I know, I know, I know, I know. And Jesus said, okay, Peter. Who am I? He said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, right on the first try. No, not really. <clears throat> but he said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona. I've got to liven it up in here a little bit. Praise God. I know I'm not that great of a teacher. <sighs> but uh, anyway, I just, I got to get this across. 
this has been burning in me. I've been thinking about the greatness of God all week. And every time I get to thinking about it, I want to start running the aisles, but it's not always appropriate, so I don't. And uh, um, something happened the other day at work, and uh, I got a text message, and somebody told me something. I don't remember what it was about. And I was sitting there eating my lunch, and I texted them back, and I got all excited with them. I, I said, you know what? I said, you just seen all the customers' looks on their faces when I started running the aisles in here in the store. And they said, you did not. I said, no, I didn't, but it sounded funny, didn't it? <clears throat> no, sometimes I get pretty excited. I love my job at Chick-fil-A. I really do. For the simple fact that when I go there, I can carry this atmosphere with me. I don't have to be scared to live how I live and to say what I say and to talk like I talk when I go to work. It's it's just it's awesome. It really is and maybe it's just my pet peeve because that's where I really work. That's where I work and I'm a manager there but I just I really do like it. They God has really blessed me. God's been great to this boy. God's been great to you. Hallelujah. We serve a great big God. We serve a great big God. We serve a God that doesn't matter what we go through or what we do or what we say. He still loves us. No matter how many times we may slack up on our walks with Him. Every time I go back, if I've if I've slipped up, if I've if I haven't prayed for a while, you know what? Every time I find that place to pray again, He's always there waiting on me. It just it, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. And if I'm going through one of the hardest times of my life, He's such a great God that I can just go and say, God, I love you. And I just need you to talk to me for a little bit. And I can just sit there and I can just weep. And I can sit there and I can not say a word. But His presence will just fill the room. And I can just lay there. And it feels like I'm just, He just, you remember back when you were a little kid, you just, I don't know why I'm saying this today. I don't know if I'll finish that. But you just get to thinking about the greatness of God. You ever you remember back when you were about this high and you got real scared and you run to, to daddy and say, Daddy, hold me. I'm scared. Why are you scared? I don't know. I just scared. I need you to hold me, Daddy. That's kinda how it is. When 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 things are all around you it just seems like your world's upside down. I don't know how many times I do it. Goodness. It's not that I get scared all the time. It's, it's to the point now where I just I just like to do it because it, it feels good and I feel a lot closer to God when I, when I get to. I just run and say, God, I need you to hold me for a little bit. 
I want to I want to walk into that chamber with you, Lord, and I just want to spend some time with you, some quality time, one on one. I want to talk to you. He is our Father. Amen. You might be too big to run to mom and dad and say, "Hold me for a little bit." I'm I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. I I need you to hold me. Or, and then you could just wrap up there, and and you can feel so secure. That song comes to mind, Falling in Love with Jesus. It says, In His arms I'm protected. In His arms. Never disconnected. It's just so beautiful. Hallelujah. Praise God. God is so good to us, church. God is so good to us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I had one more point. I don't think I'm going to cover that. I think we just need to spend some time thanking God how great He is. I just feel a sweet touch of the Holy Ghost. Maybe I'm the only one, but I really feel the Holy Ghost this morning. It's been a long time since I felt the Holy Ghost like this in the service. I really feel. I feel God in this place today. Can we all stand this morning? Musicians, come. You see, our God is greater. He's greater than anyone. And He's greater than anything that ever was or ever will be. Psalms 145 and verse 3 says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And His greatness unsearchable and his greatness is unsearchable because he is so great because he is so great he deserves great praise not just when we come to church but every day every morning or whenever you find a time to pray he deserves great praise hallelujah you know I've I've said it already today. When you begin to worship and to praise Him, to me, I can I can forget about everything for a little bit. I can just I can just say, all right, reality, you can you can sit back for a little while because I'm going to take some time to worship my King. I want to take some time with Daddy today. I want to feel His touch. The Bible says that He abides in the praises of His people. And that's true. It really is. When you begin to worship and to praise Him, it's just like, He said, alright, looks like somebody's building me a nice little house down there. I'm going to come and stay for a little while. Praises. Praises the key. Praise should be our life. Hallelujah. If you got the Holy Ghost today, you've got everything to praise Him for. You've got every reason, you've got every right to walk up to Him and say, Daddy, can you hold me for a little bit? I want to spend some time with you today. I want to talk with you today. And you know what? 
If you're here today, you don't have the Holy Ghost, you, you don't have to leave until you get it. You can walk up and say, Daddy, I've never come and I've never spent any time in your arms. But I want to spend some time with you today. And when I'm all done today, I want to leave with you being the king of my heart. I want you to fill me with the Holy Ghost today. Brother Merriman talked about it Thursday night. He said, Acts chapter 2, verses 37 through 39 tells us how we can get the Holy Ghost. It says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter stood up and he said, Repent. Repentance is telling God that I'm sorry for everything that I've ever done against you. Repentance is saying, God, I'm very, very sorry. And I'm not bargaining with you today, God. I want you to take my life. Whatever I've done in the past, it's yours. Get rid of it, God. I'm never going back again. And after you've really repented, and you've really cleaned your heart out, Then Peter said, you got to be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, that way all your sins can be washed away. Peter said, for the remission of your sins. And when you've done that, and you've repented, there's nothing standing between you and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Because at the end he said, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you think today is not for you, I've got news. Verse 39, he goes on to say, for the promise is unto you. That's the first thing. It's to you. It's to you. And it's to your children. And to your children's children. But first and foremost, it's to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. Can we worship Him today, church? Lord, I love you, Jesus.